We're gonna take another summer short this morning. Now, for those who are guests, summer shorts are one-week messages. In the summertime, instead of doing series like we tend to do here at the bridge, uh, we do one-week standalone messages because so many people say, oh, I'd have to miss this week and I'd have to miss this week of the series and that week. And so we try to accommodate your vacation schedule. And today, the World Cup schedule, I see a little of that going on here today. But anyhow, uh, last week I told you I was going to fudge a little bit. And so we started not quite a summer short, but a summer pedal pusher, you know, a little bit longer, uh, doing a two-week of kind of a, a topic on an important topic called freshen up your faith. Now, for those who weren't here last week, I'm going to do a quick review. And for those who were here last week, I'm going to do a quick review so that you can remember what we were talking about and where we're going with this. Increasing numbers of believers today are experiencing what I call the spiritual blahs. Now, it's not that they've left the faith. It's not that they don't love God. They don't believe in Jesus or the Bible or any of that. But it's just that they're kind of in a position of life where their relationship with God or their, their spiritual life kind of has plateaued, a little bit routine, hopefully hasn't flatlined, but just kind of a, a blah kind of experience. Now, the reason that happens in our life as believers is because there's no positive movement in our life. What tends to happen is we kind of get into a routine in our spiritual walk. We get into sometimes a ritual in our relationship with God, and we're doing church, and we're doing religion, but we're really not moving. We're not growing spiritually. Spiritual joy, we were reminded last week, is linked with spiritual growth. If you're not growing spiritually, that's when the blahs kind of come in. We also saw that spiritual growth is linked with giving God glory. The reason we get the spiritual blahs is we stop giving God glory in our life. We don't stop believing in him we don't stop necessarily coming to church. What we stop is being in this process of giving God glory. So the master key to spiritual joy is to understand and what and embrace what it means to give God glory. As we live to God's glory, now get this, we put ourselves in the process of spiritual growth. Staying in the process of spiritual growth is what gives joy to the Christian experience. It's a cause-effect relationship. And when we fall out of that cause-effect relationship, things get routine, things plateau, and the whole experience can begin to taste a little stale. Last week, knowing how important giving God glory is, we began to look for some biblical ways that we can give God glory, knowing that when we give God glory, what's going to result? Joy. We're going to have joy because we're going to be in a process of spiritual growth, and spiritual growth promotes our 
joy. Last week, we looked at three real quick. The first one, and the starting point is trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. And in our world religious system, really Christianity is the only one that believes that. Almost every other world religion believes that somehow you have to live a good enough life to appease whatever God is the target of that particular world religion. Well, Christianity says this. No, there's only one way. There's not multiple ways and every way is going to get to the same place. No. Christianity says Jesus is the way. And he's the only way. That, see, brings God glory When we will say, yes, yes, God, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And I'm willing to confess that with my mouth, Romans 10, 9. And I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross for sin and was buried and on the third day resurrected. And that Jesus, because he was willing to go to the cross, God has given him alone the authority to forgive my sin. And see, when we are willing to humble ourselves that way, we give God glory with our soul, with our eternal destiny, and we become one of his children. John 1, 12, yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, once we take that first and critical step, then we give God glory in other ways. The second way we saw it was that we aim our life at his glory. Now we have been adopted into his family. Now we say, you know what? I don't want to live the way I used to live anymore. I want to live as a child of God. I want to embrace his values. I want to live life his way. We saw Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 10.31 to say this. So whether, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, Read it with me. Do all for the glory of God. Read it again. Do all for the glory of God, right? And see, now we might look at that as restrictive, but it's not meant to be restrictive. It's meant to be opportunity. That means in anything we do, when we do the most mundane thing that we do every day, and that is to eat and drink. At least it's mundane in this country. A lot of other countries, they don't take that as for granted. But whatever we do, God says, listen, I'm not making this difficult for you. Whatever you do all day long is an opportunity to give me glory. And so therefore, it's an opportunity for you to have joy. See? Then third, we looked at last week, that we give God glory by confessing sin. And we stopped because a lot of people, that gives pause to them. They say, how do we give glory to God by talking about sin? God hates sin. God's repulsed by sin. How do we give glory to God by confessing sin? Well, we were reminded last week in Scripture, going first to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and God confronted them with their sin of eating from the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, Adam said what? He said, the woman you gave me She made me sin. Eve said, the serpent deceived me. 
The serpent you created deceived me. And, and, and I said, see, they blamed God for their sin. And we tend to play the blame game in our lives. We blame everything and everyone else for the mess our life is except ourselves. And when we do as David did after sinning with Bathsheba, as recorded in Psalm 32, and he said, when I acknowledged my sin to you, you forgave my sin and you relieved me from the burden of my guilt. So when we confess sin, we say, God, you didn't make me do it. You didn't tempt me to do it. God, my sin is my sin. And I confess it to you. And of course, Scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But as we confess it, we take the guilt and blame off him and everybody else, and we say, I own it, God. And I don't want to do it again. All right, so... How else do we glorify God? I'm going to give you five more, and i got to be quick this morning. So you ready to go? Five more ways that you can have an opportunity to be joyful. That's how you got to look at this. The next is this. We glorify God by obeying him, by just obeying him. Luke 6.46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus says, no, no, wait a minute. Here you are, you're calling me Lord, Lord, and you're saying I'm special, and I'm the teacher, and I'm the master, and I've got this point of, of, of priority in your life. And you don't do what I tell you to do. You, you, you don't obey me. James 122, half-brother of Jesus, said this in his New Testament manuscript. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Oh, my goodness, we do that all the time. See, we come to church and we sing praises and we hear a message and then we leave and do absolutely nothing with it. We just check the box. I went to church today. I've been in church like, wow. God's going, whoa, you went to church. Okay? See, he says, do what it says. Now, how does that bring glory to God? Well, it brings glory to God because God has told us to do some pretty radical things, right? Like loving and forgiving our enemies. Like giving him back a tenth of our income. See, he, he, he asks us to do some, some crazy things, some radical things that our nature doesn't naturally want to do. But when we say, you know what, God? I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey you because I believe everything in your word that instructs me how to live and by what values is for my benefit. You did because you want me to have joy. You don't want me to live a life of guilt and shame and burden with sin. And so I'm going to obey you. And when we do that, God goes, yeah, man, now we can go some places and have some fun. See, we glorify him by obeying him. Fifth, we glorify him by trusting him. Now you said, now you already told us that. We trust Jesus as our Savior. That's not what I'm talking about. We're two different things. 
First, number one is putting Christ first in our life by trusting him as our savior and him alone. Now, this is beyond that. This is after that, when we actually trust God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to believe him or, or, or to please God. Matthew 10.39, Jesus says this, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, that's one of those things that's hard to, hard to take. Because here's what Jesus is basically saying. He's saying, listen, he said, if you live this human experience that you're living right now, and you use it to live for this experience, you dedicate your value system to this experience. You spend all your time invested in enjoying this experience. You use all your resources for this experience. He says, what you're actually doing is you're losing your life. Now, what does he mean by that? It means that you're investing it in the wrong place. That means when this life is over, all of that is going to stay here. But the problem is, you aren't staying here. You're going into an eternal experience. And if you've lived life just for this life, do the math. Then you've lived life for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe some of you will make the 100-year mark. Let's say we all here live to be 100. How does that compare to forever? Huh? So Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, that takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of trust for me to say, really? All right, so I'm going to trust you, God, that I'm going to spend a lot of my time, a lot of my resources serving you, living for you, sharing your word. I'm going to trust that if I do that, and if I look at this life as just a temporary, quickly passing experience, and I look at the life to come as the one I'm really targeting and aiming my life at, then when this life is over, I'm not going to be disappointed by that. I'm trusting you, that you told me that that's how I find my life, and that's the way I'm going to live my life, because I'm going to trust you. Do you see how that brings glory to God? God says, yeah, you can believe me. Because trust me, when you stand in front of me for the first second and you look into my eyes, everything that we're doing right now will vanish in importance. And we'll look and we'll long to look into his loving eyes and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the glories I have prepared for you before the foundation of the world. We give him glory by producing much fruit. Jesus said in John 15, 8, this is to my Father's what? What are we talking about today? We're talking about giving God glory. He said, Jesus says, all right, here's how you give my Father glory. That you bear much fruit. Because when you bear much fruit, you're actually telling the world that you're my disciples. 
that you're one of God's children, that God is more important to you than the world is important to you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, so this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now, there's two kinds of fruit that we can bear. One is action fruit. That involves the things that we do for God. Things like serving God. That brings glory to God. Every week, there's a group of Faithful Bridge volunteers, ministry partners who meet here on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock and they set up these chairs. See? Now, how does that bring God glory? Well, it brings glory that you're sitting right now, not standing. How many would rather be sitting than stand? See? And you got to come in and you got to praise the Lord. And now you get to sit in air conditioning. See? And guests get to come into a comfortable environment. And they get to celebrate and worship and learn more about Jesus. Right now we have wonderful volunteers in our nursery program, in our children's ministry program, who are serving God and they're glorifying him by giving adults the opportunity to come in here without distractions, without having to tend to their children, and be able to give their entire focus to God. And learn about God on a maturity level of an adult. And the children, because they're doing what they're doing, get to learn about Jesus on a maturity level of a child. And it brings glory to God, see? However we serve, whatever we do to serve him, brings glory to God because it's not only serving him, it's serving others and giving others an opportunity to have more exposure to him. We do it by sharing, by just sharing our faith, telling other people about Jesus. You know, Jesus hasn't redeemed us to be secret agent Christians, to kind of hide our faith and say, you know, I'm going to put it over here. Now, we all tend to do that. I confessed to you how I did that. Last week, I confessed. You weren't here. You'll have to get the tape and listen to my confession. <laughs> but but we, we, we need to share him. And we bring glory because God wants everyone to hear about Jesus. God wants everyone to hear that Jesus loves them and died on the cross for their sins, and they can have eternal life through him. We do it by sacrificing. That's action fruit. When we give our time and we give our finances and we give our service and our talents and we sacrifice living life for this life for the life to come. That's action fruit. But then there's another kind of fruit that is just as important. See, we tend to, when we think about producing fruit, this is what we're thinking about. But there's another kind of fruit that's just as important and it's attitude fruit attitude fruit. And God identifies that in Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 22. When the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As children of God, who have taken step one, we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we've been adopted into the kingdom. Now, these are the family values. He says, you know how you can glorify me? You can glorify me by waking up in the morning and consciously thinking this, I'm going to spend today spreading as much love in this world as I possibly can. I'm going to be a loving person. I'm going to love people. How many believe the world can use a little more love, right? Huh? 
instead of all this hatred. Just say, I'm going to be loving today. I'm going to be a loving presence to people. I'm going to show people God's love through me. I'm going to be Jesus with some flesh on it today. Joy. You know, sharing the fact that, that we do this because we want to do this. We live this life for Jesus Christ because we want to. We come to church today because we want it to be here with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want it to praise God, and we want it to learn more about him. See, we need to show people that being a believer is a joyful, worthwhile thing. See, if you're in a spiritual blouse, you might have got up today saying, oh, it's Sunday, I gotta go to church. Darn it. I'm gonna go listen to that preacher again. Today's the World Cup. I, I ought to be going to the store and getting my stuff for the World Cup today. You know? See, when that's what we talk about, and we talk about people, what are you doing this weekend? I gotta go to church. See, that doesn't bring glory to God. But when we say, I'm going to church, I get to worship the Lord this week. Would you want to come with me? See, that brings glory to God. Go, peace, again, agents of peace. Agents of peace in our own homes, and agents of peace in our workplaces, and agents of peace in, 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 in our world, in our community, in our culture. Patience, oh, how about that one? When we're patient with people because we live in such an impatient world, such an impatient culture. I gotta confess another thing to you, see. I gotta quit coming to church. It's a joke. Some of you are going, oh. I was with my family. We were, the whole family was together. I can't remember what, what the gathering was. And we were talking about different things, you know, and our attributes. And I said, you know, I said, I think one of my strong attributes is I'm, I'm a patient person. I'm, I'm, I'm really patient. And my family broke out in spontaneous, uncontrollable laughter. <laughs> really, they did. It hurt my feelings. I said, what? They said, are you kidding? Road rage Pete? I'll tell you what helps. On the back of my car now, I have one of our stickers, the bridge. It's helped me a lot of times <laughs> in my patience. But see, this is attitude fruit. This is saying, I know how I used to be, but I don't want to be that person anymore. I know how my flesh wants to respond. If, by the way, if you want to see what the, the fruit of the flesh is, read the verses before this one. Read verses 20 and 21, and you'll see the fruits of the flesh. And hopefully you won't recognize those more. But see, attitude fruit, living in such a way that promotes Jesus Christ and shows people the power of Jesus Christ to change us. Producing much fruit. We glorify God by thanking him. Psalm 107 verse 1, the psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Now that seems like it should be without stating that. Yeah, we should be thankful to the Lord, but are we? Do we engage that every day? 
See, sometimes we don't have joy because we're not thankful for what we already have. We're not thankful for what God's already done. We're just wanting him to jump through the next hoop for us. Here's two things we can be thankful for in that verse. For he is good. How many believe that God is good? How many would say, God has been good to me? Yeah, oh my goodness. I, I can't tell you how good God has been to me. I can't tell you. It says, his love endures forever. Just the fact that God loves me. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love towards us in this. As while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for me to become a saint. God didn't wait for me to become a pastor. God loved me in my ugliest condition. God still loves me in my ugly condition. That's something to be thankful for. And when I pause and I thank God for how good he's been to me, and I thank God that he loves me in spite of myself, it brings joy to God. And then it brings joy to me. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. See, it's easy to give God thanks when things are going good, isn't it? But it's a little more challenging to give him thanks when things aren't going so good. But you see how it gives glory to God when we thank him in all circumstances and not just the candy-coated times. And Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Things are so good. And I've got a good job and I've got a good family and, and I've got food in my belly and I've got clothes on my back and my closet. I've got a new car in the dry. You know, well, it's easy to thank God. When God began to, to test Job, Job's friends, when he started losing all that stuff, said, well, you ought to just curse God. His own wife said, just curse God and die. See, but no, Job stayed faithful to God in the most desperate of human situations and circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This brings glory to God. And whenever I bring glory to God through my thanksgiving, I'm bringing joy to myself. Finally, we glorify God by praising him. Psalm 86, 12. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will what? I will glorify your name forever. I'll praise you, God. Now, God doesn't need our praise. We need our praise. But God is glorified by our praise. What does that look like? Well, he's glorified when we pray. Because when we pray, what we're saying to God is, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to talk with you, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk with me. And say, so what that says is, God, I love you back, and I'm interested in having a relationship with you. But then we can also use our prayer to give God glory in public places. Some of you, after church this morning, will go out to a restaurant, and, 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 and you'll have lunch. Well, before you eat your food, you have an opportunity to pray at your table and thank God for the food. You're killing two with one, birds with one stone. See? What you're saying publicly is, I'm not ashamed to be identified with you, God. I want people to see my faith in you. 
Now, let me give you another little tidbit that you can try. And I wish I was more consistent in that, I'll be honest with, with you. But I've done this from time to time with amazing results. When you're at your table and you're ordering your food, say to your, your wait staff, the waiter or the waitress, whichever it is, say, can I just tell you that I'm a Christ follower. And in a moment, I'm going to have prayer and thank God for the food I'm about to eat. Is there something I can pray for you about at the same time? Is there something I can pray for you? You got a prayer request? <clears throat> I can't tell you how impactful doing that is. I can't tell you how many times people just lit up and just said, wow, no one has ever asked me that before. And yeah, I do have something. Could you pray for my mom? Or, hey, I'm, uh, my health is failing. Can you pray for my health? I've had both men and women done at the table spontaneously break out with tears and just come down their face. See, it's an opportunity to give God glory by bringing him into their lives. We praise him in our study. When we, we study God's word, when we read the Bible, when we go to Bible studies, when we go to life groups, and when we want more and more. And basically, we glorify God when we read and study the Bible because we're saying to God, I have a hunger for you. I have a hunger to know more about you. I have a hunger to know how you want me to live my life. I have a hunger to build our relationship. And I want to know more, God, because you're inexhaustible. I'll never know everything that your word tells me about you. But I want to glorify you because I want to give it my all. We do it in our singing. And I'm always amazed at how so many people say, well, I, I don't like the singing part of church. I just come for the, for the message. Well, thank you that you like the message, but do you realize that there's not going to be preaching in heaven, just singing? You're going to be miserable in heaven. You know, because that's what we're going to do. And we won't do it constantly, and that's a whole other message for another time. But we, we glorify him when we sing. And you say, well, I don't sing because I have a horrible voice. Well, that's okay. I personally believe, I have this theory, that God receives more praise from people who can't sing than who can't. Because he knows they can't. And yet they're there pouring their hearts out to him. Well, other people are going. We praise him when we proclaim him. Again, when we tell other people how good he is and how amazing of a relationship they can have with God too. We praise him by glorifying. So staying in the process of spiritual growth is what gives joy to the Christian experience. Here's my challenge to you this morning. If this pertains to you, get rid of those spiritual blahs. Gave you eight ways to do that. Get rid of those blahs. Freshen up your faith. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here today and you're a believer, you're a Christ follower. 
you've taken that first step and you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. But you really have been kind of wrestling with the spiritual gloss. Your Christian walk has gotten kind of routine, kind of stale. Maybe it's even gotten ritualistic and you're just kind of going through religious motions, doing religious stuff. Remember, God doesn't want to have a religious experience with you. He wants to have a relational experience with you. And so, you're a believer. You now have seven ways, seven tools that you can use to give God glory, knowing that when you give God glory, you put yourself in the process of spiritual growth, and when you stay in the process of spiritual growth, it will result in your spiritual joy. So, well, maybe believers are wrestling with that today. Maybe some of these areas you've identified, hey, I can do better in that area. I know I have, and I've got some things I've got to work on from this message. But maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You've not taken step one. You've never given glory to God by yielding your eternal soul to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, God brought you here today to give you that opportunity. So how do I do it? It's, it? God made it so easy that you can do it right now. Paul tells us in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, first step is humbling yourself and say, okay, God, I know there's a lot of different religions out there, but the only way to back to you is Jesus and through his sacrifice on the cross. So I'm confessing that right now with my mouth. Jesus is the only way. And God, I'm going to follow that up because Paul says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I'm going to express my faith that I believe Jesus did die on the cross, that he was buried and on the third day rose again. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Savior. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive my sin. Today, I believe on Jesus Christ, the name of the Son of God, for eternal life. Scripture says in 1 John 5, 13, these things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God, thank you that you have given us everything we need to experience a life of spiritual joy now and even more so in the life to come. Lord, help us not to be hearers of the word only today and so deceive ourselves, but help us to take what we've learned today with us and say, okay, where can I find more joy? By giving God more glory. We dedicate ourselves to you. Renew us, love us, use us. In Jesus' name, amen.